You're listening to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast, recorded on Sundays in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our goal is to help you grow from root to fruit. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. It's a privilege to be here today and get a chance to, to speak with you folks. I, I am glad that uh, Pastor, well, Reverend Greco, as he prefers that we call him, um, Pastor Dan uh, allowed me to, to share today. Uh, we're glad that they got some time uh, away and um, looking forward to sharing what's on my heart with you this morning. Um, just for those that don't know me and my wife, Cheryl, I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody knows her, but I kind of come and go a lot. Yeah, she's, she's, she's on the video. You know, I don't make the video. She makes the video. Um, as, as Dre said, we work with the Assemblies of God. We've been missionaries. I continue to work with our Assemblies of God missions department. You support what we do, so you should know what, what we do. Um, we work with all the different ethnic groups in the Assemblies of God in the United States to work with them to send missionaries from their ethnic communities globally. So here in the U.S., we have about 20 different language groups and 23 different ethnic, we call them fellowships. Uh, so about 40 overall that uh, everything from Hispanic, Korean, Latino, uh, Latino, uh, Haitian, Nigerian, Vietnamese, Slavic, Samoan, all those groups, I work with them to help their communities, their churches, send missionaries from their ethnic communities all over the world. It's really cool. It's really interesting. Um, nobody really knows how to do it. Neither do I. So it's, it's kind of great. It's a discovery every day. Uh, but that's kind of what we do, and we appreciate your prayers and support in that. And uh, fortunately, I was free today, so we're here and sharing with you. If you have your Bibles, turn this morning uh, to Exodus chapter 30, and I believe it'll be up on the big screen. Uh, Exodus chapter 30, uh, and we're going to talk about uh, a part of the tabernacle. As you know, Dan's going through the tabernacle and all the different items in there. And we're going to talk about the uh, bronze laver today, the bronze laver. Now, I know that this has been a focal point for all of you, and you have just been dying to get to the bronze laver. So I get, I get premium spot here, and this is great. Uh, Exodus 30, I'm sorry. I, I told somebody this morning, when I, when I, I fly a lot, I'm, I'll be in South Bend later on this week with a German group. And every time I get on a plane, I go through this little deal in my mind that says, you're leaving New Jersey. Turn it off. And I do. And I do. But I'm home today. And I'm really home today. So forgive me. I just wander at times and say silly things. But that's, that's who I am. Anyway, Exodus chapter 30, verses 17 through 21 Say, then the Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand, place it between the tabernacle and the altar, and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and their feet there. They must wash with water whenever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord, and when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be observed from generation to generation. I believe that's the last verse. We are a society that is consumed with hygiene, with washing. 
And this issue in the tabernacle, the bronze laver, deals with this concept of washing and being clean. Now, I have to ask today, an honest answer. Raise your hand if you have with you today some item of hand-cleansing lotion. Look around, look around. Now, please keep your hands up. I just want to check one thing out really quick. Okay. It's kind of what I thought. We are lopsided gender-wise. I'm not going to make any reference to that. <laughs> they look good to me. Um, we, we're very, we, we took our grandkids to Tahrim Farms, a great orchards this week. It was great. I saw this sign. Be food safe. Please wash your hands. After using the restrooms, after touching animals, prior to eating or picking. It doesn't identify what you're picking, but prior to that. <laughs> before your hand, wash your hands before leaving this room. I, I, I love these signs that are all in restaurants, okay? I always felt like if you've got to tell your employees in the restaurant to wash their hands, it ain't working. It's not. It, it's just to avoid a loss. We told them. And not only do they tell it, but they do it in multiple languages as well. But as if that wasn't enough, in case you don't understand what washing means, let me show you. Okay? For those of the oral tradition that don't read, they go through every step, step by step by step by step. My favorite and I actually took this picture, and I won't tell you from which family member's house it came from. It's not this one. But it says, in case you can't read it, wash your hands and say your prayers, because germs and Jesus are everywhere. <laughs> Let's just pray and go. I mean, that, that is memorize this verse, repeat it before bed, and you got it. But... Enough of this tomfoolery. Let us just move on with our theme. Uh, in the tabernacle setup, on the left, and I gotta say this, I really have a whole lot more respect for my son after getting into the preparation of this. You have no idea how many, I gotta be careful in what word I use here, low quality pictures there are on the internet about the tabernacle. Like, this is the best I could find, and I stayed on it for about 15 minutes. Like, you know what? Just use it and keep going. I was like, that's the best you got? Okay. This right here is the bronze laver. And basically what, it, this is the deal. It had an upper part and a lower part where they would wash their hands and wash their feet. And after they had made sacrifice here, they washed their hands and their feet, and then they entered into the inner part. Of the tabernacle. That was in the outer court of the tabernacle. Okay, so that's what the labor was for. It was a uh, labor meaning a wash basin. It was a basin that they could wash in. Um, I have to point out the fact that there is a huge difference uh, between washing and cleansing ourselves from sin. Okay, when we're talking about this, we're specifically talking about washing, not the issue of forgiveness and being cleansed from sin. And I'm not going to separate the two all through uh, my time this morning. I'm not going to make a huge distinction between the two. But I want it to be very clear that God does not just want to cleanse us from our sins. 
That's one issue. We're not really focusing on that today. If you need that today, by all means, this applies. But what this really focuses on specifically is the idea of washing. And washing requires us cleaning ourselves up from the daily events of life. When the priests offered all these sacrifices, it was hot, it was dusty, they had charred smoke, they were doing all, it was, they were slaughtering animals, okay? They got dirty. They did not need to repent because they got dirty ministering. It, you could even get soiled and grimy serving others, doing the right thing. And from that, you need to be washed. Nick. I mean, he, I almost went there. I don't know where he is. I almost went there. I, I, I mowed the lawn yesterday morning. As I'm mowing, it's like, oh man, this is like a, an illustration. But I don't want you to get a vision of me being sweaty mowing the lawn. So think of him being sweaty mowing the lawn. Much better. He didn't do anything wrong. He might have if he didn't do it on the angles. But uh, he didn't. It's just the result of daily life. And from that, we need to be washed. And this theme, this is a biblical theme that... Um, is consistent in lots of places. I'm not going to read all these verses, but if you'd like to jot them down, I'll leave them up for a couple of seconds here. There, this whole idea of washing and cleansing from sin is a, current, is, a, is a theme that runs right through Scripture. The priests did not wash in the bronze laver to be cleansed from their sin. Just want to make it clear. But to remove the dirt and grime of life. We need both cleansing from sin, and washing. A guy by the name of John Dryden said this, Virtue in distress and vice in triumph makes atheists of mankind. Virtue in distress, the good guys losing. When Tampa Bay won last night, the good guys lost. Okay, Virtue in distress and vice in triumph makes atheists of mankind. We live in a world of both virtue and distress and vice, the bad guys winning and the good guys losing. And the anger and frustration of living with both these extremes takes its toll on us. Relational conflicts, even those you're not directly a part of at home or at work, gnaw at your spirit. You ever have a family gathering and you know that Aunt Susie and Aunt Joan they just had it out, and you got to kind of go in between because you're not involved in the problem. But them being involved in the problem wears you out. You've got to be careful all day long. Relational issues, financial pressures that you may be under, rob you of sleep. You, you go to bed, you can't sleep, you're worried, you feel hopeless, you feel abandoned. What am I going to do? It just takes its toll on you. Maybe you work in a cutthroat environment, gossip, backbiting, backstabbing. People complaining all day long. Nothing is good enough. They complain about everything. Foul language or the subject of conversation is offensive. You're surrounded by struggling humanity, and you're trying to be a positive influence. You're trying to do the right thing. But when, at the end of the day, when you get home, even though you didn't do anything wrong, you feel like your mind and your soul, how do I get a shower there? How do I clean that up? And then on Sunday, you come to Life Tree, and you see everyone smiling and singing, and they're all doing great, and you put on the smile and you sing, but inside you're feeling all, I don't fit. They're all, they all got it together. But I'm just acting it out. I'll tell you what, if I, and I won't, relax. But if I did, 
ask for a show of hands. And if you were honest, 99% of us would raise our hand feeling that, yeah, that's exactly how, how we feel. You haven't done anything wrong. You don't need forgiveness. You need a bath. You need to be cleaned up. Life has taken its toll. Uh, a number of years ago when Cheryl and I were dating, I've said a couple of times her dad was a huge influence, my, one of my top heroes. He was, he was one of these guys that, he was a fix-it guy. Anything that was wrong, he could fix it. Matter of fact, if you called him, even before you told him what was wrong, he would tell you what you needed to do. He was that kind of, he just did. So I'm driving my car one day. Well, I wasn't driving my car. I went to start my car, and nothing happened. I turned the key, nothing, nothing, nothing. So I called him up. I said, Pop, I don't know what's going on. I put the key in the ignition, and I turned it, and nothing. It's just dead. Hasn't been given any problems. I don't know what's going on. He said, oh, you probably, this is what he said. Um, you probably have corroded terminals. Now, I was not familiar with that kind of vocabulary at the time. I have corroded terminals. It's like, I didn't know whether to be offended, whether to be worried, 